Well, Zane called it five days of strategist, so now we have to do this for five days. The original plan was to give you one free episode, but here we are. We roll with the punches that we throw at ourselves. This is the second day of five days of us giving you a bit of a taste, a bit of a sampler of what the strategists on Patreon sounds like with the sincere hope that you will give us $6 a month, which will be used to, you know, buy things we don't need, I suppose. I don't know, but you should still do it. So I present to you episode 1254, which, unless you had gone to strategistpatreon.com and subscribed before, you probably haven't heard. This happened just after the release of Alberta's plans for an Alberta pension plan. Uh, Stephen, myself, and something approximating Zane Velji got into it, talked about the strategy of it, the pros and the cons, the various considerations. Spent a little bit of time talking about Doug Ford's Greenbelt reversal as well. And um, yeah, it starts now. This is The Strategist, episode 1254. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. What is up? Well, I got to be honest with you, Zane. I'm pretty excited. To the Formula One race uh, in Japan. is it's, it's, of course, a night race in Canada, but it's a day race in Japan. So right now, practice three is taking place. And I might even, I might even decide to stay up late and watch the Formula One qualifying. Whoa, that's that's a big one yeah, for you. Yeah, I'm but... pretty excited about it. It's um, As you know, Formula One is the best sport. And Daniel Ricciardo and today uh, Yuki Tsunoda were announced for AlphaTauri. But I was pissed off that they did it at the Japanese Grand Prix. Grand Prix. It plays into racial stereotypes in my mind. I mean, you could be making all of this up, in my I opinion. Could be. I could be. Jesus Christ, Carter. I would have preferred more of your AFL bullshit. Corey, I see your iron will cracked 30 seconds after declaring you were off Twitter last episode and you're back giving middle-aged white person takes. Any particular tweets you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I, I, I got lured back by all of this APP stuff, this Alberta pension plan stuff. It was a little too much not to yell about. And, you know, as, as you've sort of identified, I do feel as a middle-aged white person, my opinions are owed to the world, so I talked a bit about the fact that this was kind of a mean thing to do to the rest of our Canadians. I talked about the math not working. I mean, they're all there for people to go through. I, you know. I think you missed the embarrassing part. This is embarrassing for Jim Denning. That's what I jumped in on. I threw out that it was embarrassing for us as a province. So I also tweeted, Zane, thanks for asking me about it. You know what? I'm definitely sorry I asked. Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment. What color is the air on your pension planet? Oh, that's pretty good. I get it. It's like, what color planet? Yeah. But also pension plants. Yeah, it's really Love nice. It. Guys, I want to spend a bit of time on this one. This week, Danielle Smith stood up with Jim Dinning to give the results of a study on Alberta pulling out of the Canada pension plan. This is, of course, after a campaign where she said the pension would not and should not be an issue. Yeah, I mean, do we trust Danielle Smith at all? Zane, like Danielle Smith says one thing and then does something completely different. It's not like she campaigned on a renewables ban for six months, right? She didn't go up and say, you know what, we really have to stop the renewables, Zane. Uh, this is this is who she is. This is how she's going to govern. Issues are going to fly at us one after the other. And it's not like Jason Kenney, where, you know, the issue was outside of his control. We did not anticipate, no one anticipated the pandemic. And so it's unfair to say, oh, Jason Kenney did all this stuff that we didn't expect. He didn't campaign on it. Jason Kenney had a box. And Corey, you might even know this. There, you know, there's probably a book somewhere where Jason yep. Kenney went through his book and said, I promise this did this. Promise this did this. I, I mean, 100 percent. That's exactly how he did it. The, the platform that I think most Albertans gave a bit of a glance to, he considered canon. This, this feels totally different. I'm not sure where to start with this one. There's lots of angles, but let's start here. The report suggested that Alberta was entitled to more than half the total value of the Canadian pension plan, and that between that and our young population, we're promised an Alberta pension that means more retirement income, lower contributions. Lots of people immediately said, that's bullshit. Corey, lay this out for us. What the hell is going on, and why are people suggesting this is total nonsense? Well, I, I mean, we've already sort of dived into it here, so let's just talk about it. They... The panel came out with this announcement. It was leaked the day before. It was supported by a Jack Mintz column the day before. Hold that thought. Watch that space. Because one of the things I think is super interesting is this land, sea, and air attack that the government is going to be using on the citizens of Alberta to try to sell yeah, this to everybody sure. here. But 
I mean, one of the reasons why people immediately reacted and said, this is kind of bullshit is because on its face, it's bullshit. Like you, you don't need to be super good at math to understand that Alberta is not 53% of the Canada pension plan. You know, we're not 53% of the people in there, even with there being a separate Quebec pension plan. We're, we're like 20%, you know, there's a whole bunch of math on this, Corey. It's not just that one piece of math in terms of our population. I mean, it caps out at higher income, uh, you know, high income, uh, contributions um it, it does not necessarily mean oh we've got a higher income ergo we've given so much more 53 percent. like what kind of cocktail napkin math was this that jim dinning was doing uh when this report was being created i mean it's i thought steve allen debased himself i i'm just in shock <laughs> that that anybody would allow their name to be put onto this but it's just it's absolute not we got an email from a guy named john we actually have subscribers um you know he, he made a really good point. And that point is just simply this. Alberta does not Wait. contribute to CPP. Canadian workers contribute to CPP. That is at the core of this, is that the same thing with equalization. Alberta does not contribute to equalization. Canadians contribute to equalization. I think it's even more clear than that. And I couldn't agree more. I actually, one of those tweets Zane was talking about was on this very particular topic. It's this idea that when people say, oh, Alberta has paid more into CPP than it's received. It's a net contributor. That That's nonsense. That doesn't mean anything. There are no, here I am. Alberta doesn't contribute to CPP. I contribute to CPP. Yeah. You do. Working Canadians contribute to it. I contribute up to the yearly maximum pensionable earnings. And then I'm done. And when I retire, I will pull that money out and we will be square. And it is designed to be square over the life of an individual, not over a province. All that Jim Denning and Daniel Smith have identified, frankly, is that Alberta has a young population. And when you're working, you pay into CPP. And when you're not, you pay out. But here's a funny thing. I'm not going to be the age I am forever. And ultimately, that loop does have to come to a close. It's like in the movie Dave. You know, oh, where there's those loops was, that had to be I was closed. thinking of Dave. and I, was, I thought about Dave, how he screws himself in the future. That's exactly what I thought. And that's all we're doing with this is we're <laughs> screwing ourselves in the future. That comment brought to you by Flair Airlines, Flair Airlines. We also don't care about the future consequences of our actions. Carter, I want to get you in on this. What's your top line take? But how do you have a top line take? I mean, my our top line take is that it's not good for Alberta. It makes us look bad within Confederation. We're already the ones out there whining about equalization. Now we're whining about APP. The stuff that has been created around all of this, it's based on a, on, a, on a falsehood. And that falsehood is that Alberta is in some fashion being taken advantage of. You've made it very clear this is about an equal in, equal out type of plan that is in, there to protect us as we age. This is not some sort of tax grab by Ottawa where they're stealing money from us and redistributing it to others. My top line is that we look like fucking assholes. Thanks, Zane. Corey, respond to that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to argue that he's wrong on this point. And, and actually, this is kind of the fundamental challenge I have with this. Look, you can go through and you can make an argument on the merits of whether it makes sense for there to be a Canada pension plan or an Alberta pension plan in the province of Alberta. I think that the argument's pretty one-sided personally. I think it lands on Canada pension plan making sense for a bunch of reasons maybe we'll get into. They largely have to do with scale being so important in this space, the idea that they're de-risked by larger population pools, both of those things would be lessened with an Alberta pension plan. But at the end of the day, you're kind of telling on yourself that you're a giant asshole. If you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, look at this pension plan. I found this one neat trick that the federal government doesn't want you to know. The way this formula was written in this one way, if we pull out, we think we could get Half of the pension, half of the pension of like you're talking about ruining the the retirement of tens of millions of Canadians. Like that is your clever strategy. Well, That's it, it. Just doesn't even make sense. Like, what are you going to do with that money? Like, what are we going to do with that capital? 
right? And that that's the other side of this coin. The, the capital is going to be invested in a dying industry. That's kind of the promise of this. The promise of this is we need more capital to invest in our oil sands because China's not doing it anymore, because uh, the United States isn't investing in our oil sands anymore. No one else is investing in our oil sands. And because of that, we need to have more investment. That's Dumbass thinking and getting $500 billion to invest in dying industry is not how the Alberta government is actually going to advance our province. Well, it's an interesting one because at, at the end of the day, if you really want to kind of strip away all the bullshit, and I think the notion that we would get 53% of CPP is part of the bullshit. Yeah. But there are arguments for and against us being in, you know, in our own pension, as I was saying. And actually, Trevor Toome wrote a really good paper about this that got released yesterday as well. I mean, I think it's a great primer for anybody who wants to understand the language of the pension, the nature of pensions, you know, some of the considerations here. And, you know, what he, you know, I'm, I'm going to summarize his work and I hope I don't do it too poorly. But what it comes down to is, yeah, at this moment, maybe uh, Albertans could have lower premiums or higher um, higher, uh, you know, money on the back end here when you retire at this moment. But it's riskier, right? So it increases risk, and that's something that Albertans need to sort of consider here. So, yeah, that's one of the things that would be, in theory, of benefit. This idea that you would have, at the moment, potentially lower contributions or higher outputs. The other thing, though, is exactly what Stephen's talking about here. It's this notion that you then have an enormous pot of money that the government can direct towards Alberta industries. And in fact, in this nonsense survey that was put out, uh, that was one of the things that was listed, right? Like this idea of, hey, couldn't this be in a benefit that we invest in Alberta? The nonsense survey, I mean, this whole engagement structure is so broken. Like we don't actually engage now to try and get real feedback from people. We're engaging to try and push poll people into the positions that we want them to take. So many people are already talking about how broken this fucking survey is. And it's it, 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 it's a disservice, frankly, to, to the legacy of the communication staff that you had that, you know, we used to have a balanced communication staff. Now it's a propaganda fucking arm again. Like, this is ridiculous. Well, you know, Truly, we did try really hard to make sure that it was the professional public service communications arm. I'm, I'm not saying there weren't tension moments uh, in my tenure there, uh, frankly, with both premiers that I served. But this is a pretty wild survey. And, and I think it goes back to something that I was putting on the table earlier, which is the government seems absolutely hell-bent on using everything at its power to try to make this a thing. And so if you look back, there were polls in the spring and in those polls, Albertans were somewhere between 20 and 30% supportive of relieving the Canada pension plan, like rock bottom numbers, which is why it didn't come up in the election. It's why Danielle Smith said during the election, we're not going to do this. But now, you know, between this kind of miracle math that's allegedly going to give us half of the pension plan, all of the benefits, they just love you to know to the point that the survey is like, which of these awesome things do you want to do first with all of the great money we're going to have available if we just fuck the rest of the country this way? You know, the reality is there, there's, there's no handbrakes here. They are going all in and all out on this. I can't tell you the number of Government of Alberta ads I've run across today as a result, I suspect, of either during the survey or just living in Alberta. Yeah, I think that it's living in Alberta. Car Carter respond to that. Zane, I've been talking the whole time. Like, Anyways, I think it's about Alberta. And, you know, they are trying to change it from a 20% issue to a 50% issue. I mean, the other piece that's coming on this is the actual um, the actual referendum that we're going to have to to actually decide this. Part of me is like, go for it. Go to a referendum. There's no fucking way we could lose. But do you remember? I don't know. Maybe you don't remember. There was a recent election that we thought we couldn't lose. <laughs> right. And now it's it's all over because now, you know, bottom line, if you promise Albertans something that they desperately want, they will vote for you. And they want more money in their pockets. They want a better pension plan. They want more security as they age. These are things that Danielle Smith is promising without talking about the other side of it, the costs associated with it, the risks associated with it. Right now, the CPP is backed by a federal government that prints the fucking money, right? Like, would you rather have it backed by the provincial government or the federal government? I choose the feds. Right. What are we going to do? Get our fucking payout in, in some sort of, uh, 
you know, oil and gas products, like the way that we pay, um, you know, royalty rates into the into the Northwest Upgrader, where we ship barrels of oil to them. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's just not you and I are going to get three barrels of oil and that's going to be called our fucking retirement. You just know it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's that's a bit of a dystopian future, but it's that comment brought to you by Flair Airlines, Flair Airlines. We also don't care uh, about a future consequences of it, our AAC oh, actions. Great point, Zane. I think you made that one already. But it's it's more than that. Like it's it's not just that they're not caring about the future consequences of the actions. It's that the the present consequences are pretty big too. That and and so I'm fascinated to see a poll or anything, frankly, that tells me how Albertans reacted to this initial shock and awe. Because you know there is a certain wag the dog component to this. There will be conservative supporters who just even in the polls before who were opposed to it will say, "Yeah, that's fine." And frankly, there'll be supporters of all sorts of parties across the board who'll say, "Actually, I wouldn't mind a bit of a higher retirement." I do wonder though if it's not just fundamentally built on. Like too much of a house of cards. I, I interestingly, even if you were actually friend of the pod, Jeremy Farkas mentioned this on our Discord uh, that uh, this issue is losing in the Calgary Herald comment section. Uh, that's that's probably not great for our uh, you know conservative government. I mean, do, is there a possibility that they brought it in knowing that it would lose? But it's just one of those things that they have to do to to placate the the right wing to, to, to ensure that take back Alberta doesn't take back the UCP. Um, I mean, th- these are the types of things that I wonder about. That's why we got our renewables freeze, right? That's why Danielle Smith is going to have to look at some sort of, you know, family first anti-trans youth type of fucking legislation, even though Danielle Smith, she's a lot of things, a lot of things that aren't necessarily good, but I don't think in her core, she's a bigot. Um, but here we are. I think she's going to have to bring that legislation just to stay as the leader. Just that I think that's the way we are. That's our future. Flair Airlines에서 제공한 의견입니다. Uh, Flair Airlines. Why? 우리는 우리 행동의 미래 결과에 대해서도 신경 쓰지 않습니다. Okay, obviously that was weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's Do you have a sense of what's going on with Zane? Zane, you okay, man? Like you uh, you maybe want to take a beat, bud. Leave this to us for a yeah, while. Let's take it. Let's take this for a second, Corey. Let's you and I just focus on this. All right. From my point of view, um, this isn't this isn't necessarily bad. Just for the just for the pension plan problem, I think the pension plan is bad. But what this signals to me is that all the other things that were bad, that were in those firewall letters that Ken Bosenkuhl wrote that he's running away from as fast as he possibly can, you know, the <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, I know he loves yeah. that. He loves that. He doesn't listen, but he loves it anyways. Three people are going to call him first thing in the morning. Here's, you know, I think that the, you know, the next thing is the police department or, or you know, the getting rid of the RCMP. And the next thing is, is doing another equalization referendum. And pretty soon you just keep stoking things, one thing after another. And we wind up, at the end game, which is separation, right? Because we're getting so screwed and because the oil and gas market has shifted and because of that, it's all Trudeau's fault, right? Ask somebody. They'll all tell you it's Trudeau's fault. Ask them how it's Trudeau's fault and that's where they start to stumble. That's where things start to get a little bit more tricky. They don't actually know the question of how it's Trudeau's fault. They just know that it is Trudeau's fault. So let's let's chat this out a little bit here. Like let's talk about first of all the strategy because there's been some consideration thrown out there that perhaps this is well look it's such a ridiculous notion on its surface yeah. that you're going to get half of the CPP but uh there's some suggestion that either A that's an opening negotiating position or B it's not remotely serious and it's sort of designed to fail to get to those kinds of hurt feelings and stoked resentments that you're mm-hmm. talking about there. And then uh, C, there is this idea that it is 100% serious. And, uh, you know, the, the same crowd that was pretty convinced that uh, they could they could figure out health better than public health officials are have now decided they have figured out kind of... You know what I was actually reminded of? I, I'm dead serious here. Like, Alberta listeners might remember of a certain age, this guy, the coup d'etat oh, guy, yeah. George something. George. Yeah. yeah. In my head, it's always George Costanza, but that's not who it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, he, when the NDP were elected in 2015 in Alberta, he started pouring through legislation, trying to find loopholes to eliminate the government, like just to get rid of them. And one of them was he he noticed that actually it's the it's the monarch that has all of the power because of course everything is designed and written as at the time like the queen yeah. in council and and all of that. Now those of you who have taken elementary school social studies know that that's because our government acts in the name of the queen or the king now, yeah. as the case may be. But George was pretty convinced he'd, he'd found a really clever interpretation, a really clever reading of these things. And to be fair to George, when I was 12 and first read the Constitution of Canada, I thought I could also read into it things that didn't exist. Yeah. Right? Uh, and this is not new. This this is idea that you read through it and you get this interpretation. You kind of ignore that our entire system is based on like precedent yeah. and case law and natural justice and some of these concepts that come through and can even override legislation and agreements in some cases. When there was kind of this pointing to this act that initiated the CPP saying, see that? If you read this in this way and you squint and you interpret these words in this fashion, we get half the fucking pension. I mean, that's what it reminded me of, like just this, just like kind of the same energy that the convoy brought to passing around the Canadian Bill of Rights, oh. which was a piece of legislation passed under Deef and Baker, as though that was the relevant piece of legislation at the moment, right? Yeah. They know just a little, just enough to get themselves in giant trouble and be very well, wrong. Where else are we living this, Corey? I mean, we're living this in the United States with all these constitutional scholars who who read, uh, you know, they're, the, you know, they're reading into the Constitution. I mean, um, Freeman on the land and the sovereign citizens going around and saying, you know, you can't arrest me. I'm a citizen blank. I don't have to give you my ID. All of these things are, are based on the same premise. And that premise is finding a loophole. It's not even about, you know, I honestly believe this. What they're trying to do is get themselves out for what they perceive to be some sort of tyranny. And and what confuses the hell out of me is where's the tyranny? Where's the tyranny? And why would someone like, you know, like, why would people who used to be kind of the mainstream uh, start to buy into this stuff? Because buying into this stuff is just creating more discord uh, within our various communities. I do not understand. Well, I don't understand. Yeah, let, let, let me reel you specifically and us generally back though. Like what's the strategy here? Like, are they act, do they actually believe this? Is this a bargaining ploy or is this like an, uh, you know, like uh, not even necessarily meant to happen, but designed just to sort of stoke those fires and continue to have that external okay, but enemy? But let's say that they want to stoke the fires and have the external enemy. I mean, what are you doing? Like you're, you know, like this isn't a car buying a car negotiation where you walk in, it's listed for twenty six thousand dollars, and you go, "I'm going to give you fifteen, right?" That that's my father's negotiating. That's tactic, your opening. You know? That's a you know that's, that's a bold that's opening from twenty six. You know, and most of the time, the salesperson just looked at him and said, "No, right?" Like, but you know, that's a bold strategy. It's bold, right? That could happen. But this is you know. What is the rest of Canada going to say to this? The rest of Canada is just simply going to say no. Like there's this, you know, there a lot of people in my mentions, right? You don't know anything about negotiation. Yeah, actually, I do know something about negotiation. You can't start with a fucking clown suit on and a clown nose and expect to be taken seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean... This is one of the interesting things for me. Did they go so far that nobody is going to believe it? But the reason why I don't think this is just a stoke fires, get fights with Trudeau going thing is because the government's putting too much money into it, right? Like, it's so clear right now that there's this massive push to get Albertans on on board with the idea of an Alberta pension plan. And listen, maybe that's a requirement for any of those three strategies, but it certainly seems to me like there was a real intentionality brought to it. We already know that Danielle Smith and Rob Anderson, uh, you know, her, you know, her policy whisperer have have had these beliefs forever. Danielle Smith wrote about it literally decades ago for the Calgary Herald. Rob Anderson was writing about it much more recently, just before he ran Danielle Smith's campaign. And so they do seem to be true believers on this file. They went silent. 
just before the election. Um, they knew it was unpopular at the time. They intentionally said, no, 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 this will not be an issue. We are, you know, there would for sure be a conversation with Albertans before it happened. Kind of left out the fact that she was going to use every little bit of the $60 billion organization that is your government yeah. to try to convince you that it's a good idea. And now we're going to go to a referendum on it. And on what it is remains incredibly murky because we obviously don't know how much money Alberta would actually get. Alberta does have the right to pull out of the CPP, but we don't know how much money Alberta would actually get. We don't know what that pension plan would look like. And to kind of bring it back, though, we also don't know what kind of governance would be around it. And would we actually use it to shore up industries that we felt were, quote unquote, under attack? Certainly, even the comments that Danielle Smith's made sense make it pretty clear that, yeah, we would, yeah. right? And I'm not really sure that we want to be using our pension as a bulwark against the rest of the world and progress. Like, that seems pretty dodgy. Yeah, it feels like that might be a bet that you can make with your private pension, but please try not to make it with my pension, right? Like, it's just it's it's just a step too far. But, you know, here she is. She's got the full force of the government behind her. I mean, this does beg the question, Corey. What should what should we be doing? What, what are regular regular people going to have to do in order to make sure that this doesn't actually happen because we are going to be heading towards a referendum that means we're going to have another election and i think that there's a lot of people who just don't have much energy for this shit because we're battling the crazies is that like do you feel like that's the same position that you're thinking or am i just being negative no no, well, listen, I actually think that's fascinating. I wanted to talk about the strategy of the government and the strategy of the opposition, but the strategy of Albertans who are opposed is, is maybe a more interesting thing to chat about right now. Let's see. Um, well, look, let's start with the obvious. The government, before doing this, and they're kind of running silent mode, probably did a lot of polling, probably understood which arguments were more compelling to Albertans, yeah. right? Unfortunately, they had to poll on an issue nobody had really given serious thought to or contemplated, and they did it based on a set of facts that are instantly under heavy assault. The fact, the quote-unquote fact of, like, we're going to get half this pension, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's truly not. Like, we haven't actually unpacked this. I think most people will have seen this, but if if everybody took Alberta's position, the pension would need to be twice as big oh, or yeah. more. Like, it's ridiculous, yeah. right? Like, the math does not work. You can't be like, I'm going to divvy it up evenly. This is my share. By the way, it's most of it. Like, and you're Alberta. You're in a you're in a pension with Ontario and British Columbia, which are I don't know if you've heard. It's in all the newspapers. Bigger yeah. than Alberta. So if Alberta takes more than half, that leaves less than half for more people. You know, bit of a nonsense equation here. You know what the government I digress. The government of Canada should just come in and say, you know, you get to do this the way that we get to do cutting up birthday cake. One of you gets to cut it and the other one gets to choose the half. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, that never actually works, by the way. You clearly don't have enough kids. But well, uh, we only had three. It was it worked out okay. It was fine. You know, the little brother got nothing, so it worked out fine. Right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> you yeah um i i have three sisters yeah so you were screwed right I can from the tell beginning. You, as the numbers get bigger it gets yeah. problematic um look so when the government polled on this they probably said we know these are the most compelling arguments so that's what we're going to put in the window when it comes out we're going to come out hard with them and of course we can see from the arguments that they're even putting in front of us saying which of these is the most awesome ideas from their survey that they launched yeah. which is i think one of the phoniest consultations i've ever seen yeah. And, you know, I, I do this for a living, so I, you know, I, I don't make that comment lightly. Um, it was, hey, you could get more money. Hey, you could pay lower premiums. Hey, this money could be invested in Alberta or support Alberta in some way, right? And which of these do you think is most important? Please rank them. All of this. So, I'll just say the government started from there. But the government was polling on a novel concept. We've talked yeah. about this. Like, it didn't have... It didn't have to deal with counter arguments and economists immediately saying, well, that's insane and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? The, and uh, the chorus of, of them saying that's nuts was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and some of them more politely than others. Like that is a weird interpretation of the words would be one. Mm -hmm. or, anyways, others just unspooling and losing their minds because it is on its surface a very crazy idea. Oh. Anyhow. 
they've done this. They have got a lot of advertising running. They are going to essentially try to make sure every Albertan knows their key messages. And I think that we can boil them down to the three that I've just said here, which is you will pay less, you will get more, and it will be here in Alberta. Now, I want to be super clear. I want to be super clear to people listening. Number one is probably fake. Certainly in the long term, it's very suspect. Number two is probably fake. Certainly in the long term, very suspect. Number three is something they can do, but they are then playing games with your pension, not necessarily looking for maximizing gains, which is what CPP's requirement is. They're now looking at nation building, you know, small end nation building here in Alberta. And that's, that should give us all pause because, you know, that's not exactly what we expect from people to do our pensions with. So that's going to happen. If you are thinking as a citizen, how do you resist this? There's two streams you need to do. One is you need to give the government pause. If there's any off-ramps, you want to make sure that they're using them. And number two is you need to make sure your fellow citizens know the holes in all three of those arguments, and you need to be having those conversations. Now's the time to make sure you're engaging Uncle Bob when he says his bullshit stuff, that you call him on his bullshit stuff, so that Aunt Mary says... Hey, actually, you know, when I go to this ballot box, I'm not going to vote the way Bob's voting. Yeah, because it, it, it's going to be really important. Like, it's going to happen very quickly, and we're going to be up against, like, if, if we're campaigning against this, we're going to be up against the government, right? The entire government. And it has literally an unlimited budget if they wish to allocate it. Um, and they, you can see what, we're, what they're doing with the, you know, the, the stupid... Um, uh, energy center, they they just throw money at the particular problem and hope that it goes away. I would love to see what they think is the positive result from the Canadian Energy Center, but we'll never see it, right? The same way that we'll never see what the positive result is from moving the uh, to the Alberta Pension Plan. We'll only feel the negatives uh, if they come to to pass. And I believe you've made a very eloquent eloquent case, Corey, that. The, the premises are false. So let's, uh, Zane, what do you think? Zane, are you okay? I, I think he's still in the corner there. I think he's feeling a little mm-hmm. ill. But listen, here's what you can do today if you're listening and you're kind of pissed off about it all. One, write a letter to the premier. Premier's not going to read it, right? Premier does get a report that says, these are all of the letters I've got, and this is the sentiment of those various letters. And uh, we'll talk to the people at the Premier's Correspondence Unit and in communications and public engagement and uh, get a bit of an understanding of the lay of the land. And if they are getting absolutely lambasted and murdered on it, I'll tell you something, that's pretty tough to hold dear. And when the caucus hears that, the caucus is going to get a little bit squeamish. So put a little bit of pressure on to the Premier in that sense. Second, and directly tied to that caucus point... Put a little pressure on the caucus. Because let me tell you something, as somebody who used to oversee the Premier's Correspondence Unit, Premier's, and Carter, you were the chief of staff to a Premier. Premier's pretty fucking used to getting hate yeah. in volume, in massive volume. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, you want to rattle them and you want to make sure that there's that kind of volume, but be realistic. These are people who are not necessarily going to be thrown by that and they've seen it all before. I'll tell you who hasn't seen it all before. Random MLA in a community who got 80% of the vote and gives no fucks, yeah. right? Just reach out to those MLAs because when you're an MLA, when you're in a constituency office and you get 60 calls, 120 calls, 240 calls, it feels like the sky is fucking falling. I want you to consider if you get 240 calls in one day at a constituency office, how many calls that is. You know, how many minutes between calls of somebody angrily saying, I got a real problem with this. It feels like it never ends. It feels like you are under assault. It feels like you get off the phone with one person and you've got three voicemails from three other people saying how furious they are. And 240 people is, you know, not even 1% of their riding's population. It's going to feel like everybody. So make sure you're putting the pressure on those local MLAs who are less used to it. The farther they are from the centers of power, the less likely there will be a cabinet minister getting hate all of the time, the better. Yeah, and uh, top up your strategist contributions uh, at www. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did that wrong. Yeah, okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. 
Uh, and then look. You just get out there. You just fight with it. Sorry about that, guys. I'm back and feeling fine now. I think it was something I ate or maybe how terrible your takes were. But I'm back and ready to move it on to our next segment. Our next segment, your green belt was the only thing holding up your pants. And now I can see your red ass. <laughs> Carter, respond to that. Um, well, I am really not sure what to say about. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Like the segment title? It was OK. It, it was, it was yeah. good, but. You know, I mean, now you kind of get caught off off guard, right? Like, um, your red ass. And, and the problem is, I think I visualize. <laughs> I think the problem is, and I'm not even sure I visualized with Doug Ford. I think I might have visualized the other Ford, and it was redder, right? Like, it was way worse. So I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Zane. Thanks for coming back, first of all. And secondly... Thank you for teeing this up for me, because the biggest thing, the most important thing, and the thing that Corey and I actually talked about today is we predicted this. We were the ones in the when when it looked like this was going to keep going forward, when everybody was making billions. It was Corey Hogan and Stephen Carter standing against the world, standing against the world, waving a flag, saying there's Testify. no way. Doug Ford is a talented enough politician. We said this. Doug Ford is a talented said, enough politician. Yep. He's going to walk this back. You and I both said it. it we, we did. We said there'd be lawsuits. We said it'd be messy. But we said right now the punishment and crime did not match. So that's, this was the option yeah, they had. Absolutely. I think that's such an important point. And if I'm not mistaken, you two called that something like this would happen. Corey, respond to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I totally, yeah. I mean, I, I think we did call it, and it's it's a big deal that you have to walk back something like this. You know, you walk back eight billion dollars of potential upside. There was perhaps the greatest Beaverton headline in the history of Beaverton yesterday, which was that. Doug Ford was being invited by developers to a no hard feelings party at 4 a.m. on the docks. <laughs> That's so good. The Beavertons, an yeah, underappreciated Canadian resource. It's yeah, fantastic. It was, but, you know, the reality is this, this particular change, this action that Doug Ford took is big. Um, and we've seen another cabinet minister leave even today uh, in the fallout from all of this. His cabinet did not look super happy standing behind him. But of course, they were also trying to look serious. Yeah. And I think when politicians try to look serious, they often look pissed off. And it was just a um, it was just a you know, it was a really dramatic moment. And it's hardly the end of this particular incident, I think. Corey, respond to that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe Carter could take it that yeah, and respond um, to that. Thanks, Zane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes politics is a messy business, right? And we make the bad choice. And good politicians, and, our, and I think this is interesting because now we're putting Doug Ford in the good politician category, but good politicians are able to walk back bad decisions. I mean, it's it's germane to the earlier conversation about the Alberta pension plan. Would Danielle Smith be able to walk back that bad decision? I'm not sure that Danielle Smith would be because she doesn't have the the the, the genetics of Ralph Klein and Doug Ford, who have this kind of talent of of saying, "My bad, let's back that up. I made a mistake." So, yeah, I think that that's um, yeah, I think that that's absolutely true. Carter, respond to that. Okay, Zane, I'm going <laughs> to... Thanks, man. You know, I, I'm appreciating... Some, someone once told me our voices sound similar, though, Steve. Maybe that's what I, it is. I'm maybe our sure voices sound similar. But, Zane, maybe you should uh, go lay down again again for a bit. We'll let Corey and I finish this off, this segment on the green belt. Um, Being a new parent is tough, and we get it. You're tired. He's got to okay, be exhausted, but... right? Like, he's... I mean, yeah. lying down is the best course of action for him. He came back strong. He came back strong with a with the the the, the segment title. The segment was title, fantastic. Yeah, one of his best. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. I mean, one of the things that I think we are now going to get to see with this Greenbelt issue is litigation, recrimination, 
Uh, we'll see if it staunches the bleeding and pulls. I do think we've now somewhat reconciled the does the punishment match the yeah. crime uh, conversation we had in that now it's entirely undone. It's a massive government fuck up. But you've seen multiple ministers leave. Uh, you've seen staff leave. Uh, and so it does feel like now we're back in kind of the realm of normalcy. And in some ways, I wondered if this wasn't also a bit of a legal defense, because I think we sometimes forget in these these ages we live in where people just sort of do shit and their supporters just stand by them. Sometimes you go to jail. Yeah. Like we've seen entire governments basically go to jail in our lifetime. Oh right? yeah. I mean, the Saskatchewan government. government was like, I think Gordon yeah. Dirks was the only one who walked away with, who walked away without handcuffs on. It was a, yeah. it was a significant group of people. And, uh, you know, it, 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 these things do have consequences, right? And this, this looked, it looked corrupt. And how does it, if it looks like it's corrupt, how do we ensure that it's not corrupt? Well, the police investigate. Yeah, how do we make it uncorrupt? Like for example, and I, I, when they're, they're investigating Jason Kenney as we speak. As we speak, Jason Kenney is still under investigation by the RCMP yeah. for that fraudulent, potentially fraudulent behavior during his leadership. And I think that the wheels of justice may turn slowly, but they still turn. So... Well, I don't, I mean, it's easy to be cynical about that final point in 2023, yeah. right? As we watch Donald Trump and we watch everything else going on. But the, the, the facts of the matter are, there are consequences and the system does somewhat move and it tends to move based on how it perceives the severity of the crime. And so, listen, I'll say this. Jason Kenney is accused of playing games in a uh, leadership contest, which wouldn't even have been like a crime in an earlier iteration. It was only recently we started bringing, uh, you know, overall governance into this. Yes, there's still arguments about whether it was appropriate, uh, but this is billions of dollars yeah. of commercial upside. You can't you can't hand wave that away. And uh, this was, I think, in many ways. This is going to sound crazy. This is Doug Ford after some of his worst moments. And I wouldn't want this to be misunderstood as me saying what a great guy Doug Ford is or what a great thing he did. But this was an example of why Doug Ford is where he is and continues or until recently had the support he had fail relatively fast. Like, I actually feel like if this had been the Trudeau liberals, oh, God. they would have argued about it for six fucking months before they got there. Doug Ford took some time, maybe more than he should have, but not more than you could imagine. And uh, and somewhat not resolved, we're not there, but he has put a, kind of a pin in this particular matter. He's made sure it can't go anywhere from No, and, and that's the difference between understanding when you're in a crisis when you're and, and not understanding when you're in a crisis. This has been our ongoing complaint about the Trudeau, uh, the Trudeau government. And you know, they, they continue to misunderstand it, whereas whereas Ford gets it. He really does understand it. And I don't think that we're I don't want anybody to misinterpret. We're not saying this was a great idea. Everything unfolded properly. What we're saying is guy dug himself a hole, stopped digging and actually got out of the hole. Now, will well, will there be a hole further down the road? He's digging out he's of getting the his way. Out. Like, we'll see he's getting his way out. He's yeah. seen he's at the very least stopped digging. And that's a very important yeah. first step. Yeah. Now, listen, you stop digging when you're in the abyss. Yeah, It's going to take you some time and maybe you never get out of it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, this was a way to, you know, to move in the right direction here. It was, let's put it this way. This was a necessary but not sufficient step to resolving the crisis in front of his government. And he took it, yeah. which is something that other governments have not shown such speed on. Yeah. Wow. Great insights. I've always loved you guys. Let's move it on to our final segment. The over-under, the lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do this segment for you. We've always done this segment for you. We'll start with you, Stephen. Over-under on 20%. The actual amount Alberta could get from the Canada pension plan? Um, I think that it's going to be under 20%. Trevor Toome has written a paper where Trevor seems to think it's going to be 20 to, to 25%. Um, you know, we have a ton of time for, for Trevor. But at the same time, I think that it is a negotiation. It is going to be a conversation. And I think that would be, it, you know, the rest of Canada has something to say. And because the federal government gives zero fucks about how many seats they win in Alberta, they have everything to gain by screwing and pushing and pushing as hard as possible against this claim. It'll make them look strong for the rest of the country 
at a time, frankly, when Trudeau needs an opportunity to look strong for the rest of the country. Hogan? Well, I think it'll be under, but maybe for slightly different reasons. And in some ways, it's just reckless speculation. We talked about how a pension really is about me making contributions, me getting my money back. And it's kind of makes me whole over the course of mm-hmm. my life, right? And yeah, it depends on if I die at 70 or live to 110. Absolutely. You know, whether I come out ahead or quote unquote behind on that particular bargain, but say la vie, right? And it's not personal. And it's not about me being an Albertan. And it's not even frankly about my income. And one of the interesting things about Trevor's paper was that it says when you adjust for age, it, it has like, almost no redistributive effect it, it you know there's that $3,500 at the start like you don't pay CPP on the first 3500 yeah. but that's kind of like the the end of the redistribution consequences that and life expectancy being slightly different between provinces the thing is and I'm getting to my point here eventually just because you made the contribution in Alberta yeah right doesn't mean you're going to withdraw when you're in Alberta so I might, in my working years, live here. I might retire to the lake in British Columbia, and then I will be withdrawing it in BC. But if I'm the CPP, I probably have a much clearer picture of that because of, I don't know, this little thing called my social insurance number, right, where I made both my contributions and my subtractions. And so I think it becomes a little bit easier for the CPP to say, you know, Sure, yeah. People from Alberta contributed more money than they withdrew over this period of time. But over the longer horizon that is the CPP, here's where that just falls apart for you. And actually, they were in Nanaimo, or they were back in Ontario, or New Brunswick, or Newfoundland, or wherever they ended up going back to. And that's where they made the withdrawals. So, you know what, Alberta, it actually nets out pretty close to your share of the population in CPP, which is like 16, 17%. Like, that's what I suspect is probably going to happen. I don't have any insight into that. But it seems like it's pretty likely that with more information... And let's be super clear, there's a massive asymmetry in information between, I don't know, the Alberta government's panel that effectively did this on a cocktail napkin and CPPIB and the robust information they have there. Yeah, right? yeah. Like there's going to be a different story that comes out at this point. And obviously, CPP came out really hard. So under. Sticking with you, Corey, Lauren Boebert was filmed vaping and giving a handjob to a date at a traveling Broadway show for the musical Beetlejuice. There's no question. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned that. <laughs> I'm really glad he brought that up. Are you not glad that he brought it up? And first of all, I there's mean, a musical called I've Beetlejuice. How have we not gone to see there it? There is. How? Well, I'll tell you something. I actually, my my daughter does like musical theater stuff. And so sometimes, you know, right now they're doing like a Adam's oh, Family great. thing. That's fine. By the way. Yeah, yeah. But when you start playing some of those songs, you get the recommendations of other musicals. And so I did know there was a Beetlejuice musical, I have to tell you. But it it literally starts with a song saying, this is a story, this is a play about death. Oh, yeah. Right? So just, I don't know. I don't know what's turning her crank, but it doesn't necessarily seem like it's, uh, you know, you, I don't think it's music to jerk off. You to. and I went to a musical once. Do you remember we went to a musical? We we did that wasn't music to jerk no, off. No, but to. I've never been hornier. Okay, that was the horniest I've ever been. So yeah, I mean that was pretty great. I'm really upset right now. Yeah. We went to Chicago. That was pretty great. And uh I believe you said to me after as we were walking back through Times Square that you looked over at one point and I had this look on my face like I could have spent this hundred dollars on so much beer. Yeah, you yeah. you did not enjoy it as much as I thought you might. <laughs> Oops a daisy. Final question. Will Albertans vote to leave the Canada pension plan, Carter? Uh, no, I don't think... Oh, hold on. Let's play the Stephen Carter prediction sound. Stand by for another Carter prediction. Okay, it's over to you, oh bud. Oh my god, I... I... no i don't think that they will i think that it's a very small idea i think the problem is going to be it's going to be a referendum it's going to be uh low turnout potentially but i think this is going to look like the housing debate that just happened in calgary everybody's going to get upset about it because this is the you know we're starting to really engage um the the progressive side is starting to get far more engaged because they're feeling tremendously under threat hogan uh boy i mean 
it feels risky following up with an agreement of Stephen, but I, I look, here's the reality. We know the starting point was pretty mm-hmm. low in terms of support for leaving the CPP. Yes, they've come out hard with their big three arguments. I think all of them are very assailable. And I I don't believe fundamentally that that's even where people are going to get hung up. They're going to get hung up on the the notion that we're talking about trying to get more than half the pension. Like I, I don't know that people are going to get past yeah. that in their analysis. They're going to say, well, this is all bullshit. That's obviously not the case. And then when you start having other more serious conversations behind it, like, okay, well, the the management of this plan would cost, what, a billion dollars that the panel report said? You know, the report yeah. said? I, I can't remember. That's a lot of money. I think so. Um, yep. And then there's just the fundamental reality, which we talked a little bit about at the top, but I want to come back to here at the end, which is pensions are better when they're bigger. Yeah, right? yeah. They de-risk it because, look, just because Alberta's young today doesn't mean Alberta will be young tomorrow. That's a reality. That's actually just how these things generally tend to work, right? We have these demographic bubbles. It's part of why the pension looked so much under threat in the 90s before the major reforms that kind of resolved that challenge here. And then there's the simple reality that bigger pensions get better returns. The more money you have to play around with, the more deals are available to you, the more you actually Mm -hmm. make the market in different ways. And we are way better off working as part of a bigger pool of money than a smaller pool of money when we're talking about our retirement incomes here, especially if we're doing active management of the fund, which seems to be what everybody is considering in all of these circumstances. That's the part that freaks me out too. The active management just, oh oh my God, like it's just not a great idea and it really puts things at risk. And I think that people will see that because they are talking about pensions and pensions are supposed to be safe. That's the, the foundational piece. Well, and then ultimately, I think there'll be a huge element of trust. Like, do you trust this government to get their hands on this money? What is the motivation for putting the hands on this money? And uh, what's really in it for us? And there are examples. There is a very obvious example of a pension fund that is not the CPP. That is a provincial pension fund, and that's the Quebec pension fund. And while it has the same benefits... It has a higher contribution rate. So at the end of the day, their smaller size and dealing with their demographic pressures meant ultimately that people have to pay more to get the same as those of us who are in the CPP. Because the CPP is bigger, which means less risk and better returns. And remember, uh, the strategists will be fighting this. You can up your contributions to the strategist podcast at your earliest convenience. Thank you. That's a wrap. That's a wrap on episode 1254 of The Strategists. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, 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 and Corey Hogan. We'll see you next time. 그것은 마무리입니다. 이상으로 전략가위 에피소드 1254가 끝났습니다. 제 이름은 자인 벨지입니다. 언제나처럼 스티븐 카터, 스티븐 카터와 코리 호건, 코리 호간이 나와 함께합니다. 다음 이 티티오 뵙겠습니다. 음.